RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. All right, look, we've got one hour to make it to the end of this week's live show. That means if somebody falls, we keep going. It's 7 p.m. Pacific on a Monday night. It's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. I'm Holly Amos. Tonight, we are just one episode away from the conclusion of season three of Star Trek Discovery with Osira in the captain's chair and Burnham leading the way at gunpoint. Can Tilly and some robots save the day? Ah, robot friends. Join the discussion tonight. Click on the Zoom meeting link or call us using the one tap from your smartphone or by dialing 669-900-6833 and let us know what you thought. Hey, uh, first of all, two things. Uh, first of all, I do want to apologize right out of the gate. Something wrong with my mic, and thank you, Holly and Earl, for letting me know. We had a problem on last week's recording. It seems to be uh, a connection issue, and it was glitching out and popping and not right. So those of you who hear me now, whether live or recorded, it's a little echoey. I'm just using the built-in mic. I apologize. We will get this crap sorted out i promise you um yeah it's just a pain uh, and I, i'm sorry it shouldn't be that way but the other order of business here uh happy new year yeah to everybody yeah it's been a little while since we all gathered around the warm glow of the computer screens so uh happy new year to everybody uh, i'm sure holly you probably just had a wild blowout party Right. I myself on Zoom with several of my friends, and I went to bed at like twelve oh one. The way it should be. That's the way it should be. <laughs> I, I for the first time, I did it. I watched um, the Poseidon Adventure, and I timed it out. If you start it at precisely eleven thirty-five and twenty-eight seconds, then they're yelling "Happy New Year." at the moment that you locally strike right. 12 a.m. I so was tempted, very exciting. I was tempted to do that with Forrest Gump just because when it's Happy New Year, like Lieutenant Dan is just right. sad. <laughs> right. I was like, maybe I should do that one. That feels that feels like a nice going away for 2020. But I was talking to friends on Zoom, so I oh, well, did not queue yeah. up a film. Yeah, right. Well, uh, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody in our chat. And let's say hi to some of our friends. Yeah, they've been, you know, we start the feed a little bit early and I, I jump in there and man, they're just all there. They're in there. They're chatting. There's Dan. Uh, there's Rhonda. There's Sandy. There's Carlos. Um, there's, well, there's Narda. Uh, Bob. Bob says, hello, Holly. Oh, and John, too. <laughs> hi, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's Paul. There's uh, Evelyn, there's uh, Other Paul, there's David, there's Tate, and uh, let's see, there's uh, Mary, there's, uh, who am I missing here? Scott Palm. What's up, Scott Palm? Uh, saying, I can hear, good. I'm glad that you can hear uh, this, because again, even though with the mic problem, apologize, but glad you can all hear us. And uh, a round of Happy New Year's and Happy 2021 to everybody. So, uh, oh, David says, John, make sure you don't drink any water. Uh-huh. And then, uh, oh, Brian, bon année, back to you as well. There's Kim, uh, there's the other Paul. Uh, so, yeah, we, we do have a collection of Pauls, uh, the proud Paul Patrol, all joining us. Glad to see you all. And uh, Rick already saying, what an episode. Chris, Chris says, what am I, Chop Kelpie? And no, you're not, Chris. Welcome to the show. Glad to see you. Glad to see everyone. And um, before we get to the poll and before we get to the recap, a couple of orders of business. I mean, first of all, we let you know what's coming up on our shows. So next week on Mission Log Live, Holly and I are back. Yes, uh, Norman, by the way, Norman update heard that he has indeed made it to his new home in Florida. Uh, but obviously there's uh, other stuff to do. There's unpacking, there's unwinding, certainly. So uh, Holly, you and I will be back next week to round out to cover the finale of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and I know that you're excited because the title, if they didn't change it again, because I know that they love to no, change the title every three days. <laughs> yeah. That hope is you. Part, part two. two. Now there is a part two. They've changed yes. what the last the last three episodes. They changed the titles. after. They did. You know what I want to think? I want to think that maybe they were trying not to give anything away. I think you're right. 
I, it was a little diversionary tactic yeah. there. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like that there's going to be a part two. I like the concept of it being split up, but I remember at the beginning of the season being, where's part two? Right. Although, <laughs> I mean, maybe it, it could have been a thing where they just decided to wait 20 years like they did with Unification 1 and 2 and then 3. Then part 3. Yeah, that would have been okay. Yeah. Well, very excited because next week it will be you, it will be me, it will be all of our lovely listeners uh, who will be calling in and we'll we'll talk about how we felt about the recap. But we are joined by a very special celebrity guest, Red, Red, Ah! the Andorian, Noah Averbach-Katz will be here with us live to take your questions and chat about the finale of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. So get your questions ready for that very heroic Andorian. He will be here with us. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to him because he was super a fan. excited. Yes, yes. I'm excited. So uh, spread the word. Make sure you join us next week. Have your questions ready. And uh, we'll just have to like zip through the opening of the show because boom, we, we got to get to those comments and we got to get to Noah. And I'm sure that that will be an absolute blast. And uh, let's see, this Thursday on Mission Log, we are back. We took a week off because we had to, <laughs> honestly, uh, holidays, travel, etc. We get to take time off, too. Uh, Mission Log is back with Impact Noor. That goes into the Mission Log. Hey, oh, yeah. Tarek Noor on a tilt. Yes. And which I, I bring that up in the episode. Just why, why do you always film it at an angle? It, it's space. So, there you? is no angle. I, you know why. I know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so that's back. Uh, by the way, the Trek Files has started back again. If you haven't been checking that out, Tuesdays at uh, midnight Pacific, 12 a.m. Pacific. Uh, Trek Files, our third episode of the season, drops tomorrow. And finally, we have a brand new podcast from Roddenberry Entertainment, Roddenberry Podcast, Sci-Fi 5 It just started today, January 4th, which is a Monday. So it is a a five-day-a-week podcast, five minutes of sci-fi history. And it just seemed appropriate that we started today, January 4th, because in 1998, that was the date that Star Trek The Experience opened. So that is our premiere episode. So everybody, look, um, I apologize off the bat because uh, Apple Podcasts is taking a very long time to certify that feed and get it up there. However, if you go to podcast.roddenberry.com, which you should be doing anyway, you can get the direct uh, website link. You can get the direct RSS RSS feed. One too many many S's. Um, And check it out. It it is so much fun. Uh, Just general knowledge, trivia, stories from the world of science fiction, not just Star Trek, but, you know, today was a Star Trek day, so we had to celebrate that. Um, So check it out and and share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and uh, let us know. I'm not on it. However, our very own Earl Green happens to be one of the uh, voices and writers and producers behind this show. So uh, support all of us and support Earl by checking out Sci-Fi 5. All right, Holly, it's poll time. It is poll time. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) So last week we asked uh, who will be first officer by the end of the next episode, which is this episode, and that, well, has not been answered because it was, (laughs) there was too much going on. Anyways, 121 votes. Tilly won. She got 43 votes. So everybody still thinks that she should be first officer. Good for Tilly. Yeah. Uh, 30% of you think the cat should be. (laughs) (laughs) And why not? Yeah. Why not? She's a queen. Uh, Burnham got 21%. Owo got 7%. Man, I like Owo. I I love Owo. Yeah. Yeah. We need more of her. Uh, This week we're asking, would you eat (laughs) the apples? John that's all that needs that. to be said. That's it. That's all that needs to be said. Just and John's laughing at himself because he came up with it. Uh, <laughs> 34 votes. Uh, so far, 77% of you say yes. 23% of you say no. I, I love uh, when people reply to it. First of all, Casey Shasky says, well, he's eaten at Applebee's. So, you know, he, he's beyond. And of course, he, he would, he, sure, he would eat it. Uh, but then I love how uh, Paul from Half Measures podcast, he gave us not just a no, he gave us a Janeway no, which I think is much more emphatic yeah. than a regular no. Yeah. But no, I mean, didn't... I don't think you're going to have a choice up there. Like, 
No. Yeah, I think this is actually yeah. the first time. I mean, we we've known that the replicators could recycle anything and they used anything that was recycled. I mean, instead of going and dropping your stuff off at Goodwill, you gave it to the sure. replicator. And that used that sure. this is the first time that we've actually discussed that human waste, well, yeah. not just human waste, um, any waste <laughs> right. is being used to do that. So, I mean, matter is matter. So that's what they're dealing with. And, and on the ISS right now, there are astronauts who are drinking water made from recycled urine. Yes. So it, it happens. And we're just extrapolating to the 32nd century. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. But I get it. I, I get it. Uh, maybe. Oh, and, and Dave, Dave in the chat uh, very astutely says all of our food is recycled matter. That's true. You're not wrong, Dave. Not exactly in the same way, but yes. Yes, Yes, very true. All right, uh, so we have callers already standing by. Now is your opportunity to call in and uh, get ready to talk about this penultimate episode. Uh, You know what to do. Hit the Zoom meeting link. Use the one tap from your smartphone or give us a call, 669-900-6833. And if you'll indulge me, I will get us all caught up on the story. So here we go. There is a tide. Where were we? Oh, right. Uh, Saru, Culber, and now Adira are stuck on that dilithium planet with the Kelpian Sukal. On Discovery, Osira has taken the big chair and held the real crew hostage. She's got a little ruse, though. When she jumps to Federation HQ, she has her own ship in tow, firing on Disco to make it look like it is in need of help. Yep, she's in control here, all except for one little piece of computer code that just won't go away. Just tuck that thought away for now. Book and Burnham are in a hot pursuit, though they can't get a message through to HQ, so they'll just take the next best approach, crash themselves into Disco's shuttle bay. Book has one device to hide a life sign. He gives it to Burnham so she can take care of Discovery while he stays behind to hopefully be a distraction and fend off Osiris' goons. And yeah, he gets caught and tossed in the ready room with Disco's senior staff. Speaking of goons, Osira brought back a special guest of her own, seemingly just to irritate Tilly. Oh, hello, Zare. In engineering... Osira has brought the renowned scientist Aurelio to get to the bottom of how the spore drive works. That means interrogating Stamets while she gets off to do whatever she had planned all along to have a meeting with Admiral Vance. Yep, the Orion, the head of the Emerald Chain, went through all this just to take a meeting. Very legal and very cool. What she proposes is radical for the Emerald Chain and the Federation to team up. She wants... Peace. Really? Yeah, each side needs something the other has. The Emerald Chain needs legitimacy and technology, while the Federation needs resources like, oh, money? Well, she brought a proposal and everything, so she must be serious. It'll just take Vance and the lie detector hologram a little while to review it all. During all of this, Burnham is sneaking around the Discovery and does her best Xenia on a top impression by crushing the windpipe of one Emerald Chain guard with her leg. In the melee, she gets stabbed, though, and starts to bleed pretty profusely until she can do a rather excellent impression of Rambo and cauterizes the wound with her weapon. Wow, she is seriously nailing the pop culture references. Upon getting out of distress call to her mom, Burnham is hiding out in the ship's Jeffrey's tubes, trying to avoid the Emerald Chain regulators, as they call them. But at this point, Zare is onto her and dispatches a team of regulators to track her down. As they get closer, Burnham pulls a stunt of creating a little fire, which trips one of the airlocks to vent itself, and that sucks one of the regulators out the door, too. Only damage done was a regular mating. Well, only damage done was the regulator making away with Burnham's boots. With the cat and mouse game now fully afoot, John McClane, sorry, I mean Michael Burnham, radios Hans Gruber, sorry, 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 I mean Zare, to let him know that she is on the loose and also ho, 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 or something like that. Things are about to get more difficult for him as the bridge crew manage to escape from their guards, leaving Book and Rin to pick off the reinforcements who will inevitably show up. Checking back in with Aurelio and Stamets in engineering, well, it's 
interesting. Stamets tried and succeeded in making a personal connection with Aurelio. They're both scientists. They both like opera. They both have families. But by the way, your boss Osira is an unethical monster who will murder whatever gets in her way. This conversation is interrupted by phaser fire when Burnham comes in. Don't worry, Aurelio is just stunned. Now free, Stamets is absolutely determined to jump back to the nebula to save Culber, Adira, and Saru, but Burnham can't let that happen. There's no time to explain, so Burnham will let a Vulcan nerve pinch do the explaining for her. Lights out for Stamets, who finds himself waking up in a force field so Burnham can eject him off the ship, you know, for his own good and everybody else's. How'd that negotiation go with Syra? Well, they hit a snag. Vance was pretty insistent that Osira not be the one who makes the decisions or represents the Emerald Chain side of things. She has a bit of reputation. Also, how would this new alliance have credibility if they didn't punish the people who committed crimes? You might be a step ahead if you guess that Osira does not like this proposal at all. She returns to Discovery in a huff and threatens Ren with death if he doesn't descramble the life sign sensors. He refuses, but Book stops her from shooting him by promising a pathway to all the dilithium in the nebula. Sure, but she vaporizes Ren anyway, and witness to all of this is Aurelio, who maybe, just maybe, isn't quite on board with Osira as he was before. Captain Tilly and her bridge crew are still on the loose, though Burnham was captured by Zare shortly after she blew a hole in the hull to eject Stamets. With Osira in control, Tilly and company make their way down to a weapons store to arm themselves, and what do they find there to help them out? How about some adorable little dot robots that are infused with some seemingly innocuous computer code that happens to be the sphere data, and they happen to be there to help to be continued. Yay, robot friends! (laughs) How could you not love the robot friends? Also, A-plus Bond reference. I'm glad you caught that. Yes, that's the that, oh, first thing I thought of. Zenya yeah. on a top. Uh, I saw, was it, um, I think Trek movie? No, it wasn't Trek movie. Somebody else did an article that was like all the diehard references in this. And I thought, yes, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> but then I also, the more I, I was like, yeah, but that, that's also kind of a Rambo thing. That's also a Bond thing. And it's just, yeah. It was sort of like they saw Next Gen Starship Mine, and they were like, sure, you can do Die Hard in space. We're going to do Die Hard in space. <laughs> Which it's I understand fun. now, because I actually watched Die Hard for the first time this year. Well, For the no. first time, really? Yeah, I'd never seen it all the way through, and now I, I, I knew what references, <laughs> like, if somebody, I'd be like, oh, I know that's from Die Hard, but, like, sure. I, don't, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I've never seen, you guys. It's really weird, especially because I, like, managed a Hollywood video for six years. Like, how did I not You know what? Don't ever feel bad about that. (laughs) I wish I had had clipped it. Um, There was a, uh, one of my favorite Onion headlines of all time. It wasn't even an article. It was just one of their little headlines with a picture on it. And the entire quote was just, you mean you haven't seen everything ever made? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I feel like that very often. Like, you can have a pretty good pop culture knowledge, but no, you have not seen everything ever made, and neither have I. And I, I actually knew trivia about Die Hard before even watching it because there's, there's, uh, there's some stuff in it that is also in Speed, which is my favorite movie of all time. But anyways, that's a story for another podcast. Oh, very cool. Hey, uh, by the way, very quickly, uh, Dan Davidson dropping into the chat. What a wonderful thing to see and hear, Holly. And oh yeah, hey champion, what's up? Hello, Dan. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, with that, let's go to our callers. Our first caller up tonight is Chris from okay. Bob's Burgers. From Bob's Burgers, right on. How you doing tonight, Chris? Yeah, doing good. Doing good. It's a new year here in Bob's Burgers. <laughs> uh, got my Kahlua and tonic, which is graying out my background, but it's okay. Uh, oh, and yeah, nice. The triumphant return of the robot friends. I'm so yeah, happy. I knew you'd be excited. You're the first person I thought of when when they came in. I was like, "Oh, Chris is gonna be excited." Oh, and I was. <laughs> I'm very glad. I called this back in like week six. I was like, "This is my headcanon. 
Can I tell a, can I tell a fun fact about the robots? Yes, please. Fun fact about the robot. So the voice of Zora, which is the computer or like the sphere data, and now the voices of those robots, um, they're voiced by a woman named Annabelle Wallace. She's a British actress. She was actually in the short. Um, She is Chris Pine's real life girlfriend. Never heard of him. They kept it in the family. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I didn't that even realize that until cool. I, the, the end credits came up and it said Annabelle Wallace. And I was like, oh, that's Chris's girlfriend. What is she? And I went and looked it up. And yeah, she's the she's the voice of the computer. That's super cool. I, wait, and we haven't ever seen her on screen. I wonder since the sphere data no. is so advanced, like well, if we would seen, ever see like a, a holographic representation. We have seen a personification. Of oh, we did. Zora, in, in, uh, but it's not Annabelle. They used a different actor. It's, it's a stunt double. Right. Yeah, for the yeah. Right, right, right. Fred and Ginger stuff. But yeah, yeah. robot yeah. friends, very excited. I really liked, um, there's each of the robot's eyes are the division colors. One has gold eyes, one has red eyes, one has blue eyes. Yeah. I don't know what that means, if it means anything, but it's cool. I dig it. Uh, I dig the entire presence of robot friends. And <laughs> if I know you're watching John Van Sitter's I Need a Dot 23 toy like yesterday. Oh, oh I'm yes. Sure. I'm sure yes. they're working on that. Oh, 100%. Call out to my former boss. (laughs) Yeah, that has to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we're we're definitely going to have some good uh, dot moments next week. I I feel very excited about that. Uh, What else? I mean, uh, oh, but by the way, uh, let's see here. Uh, Floaty Robot Buddies. Oh, oh, okay. I, Earl Earl is coming up with a new product uh, just as we speak. So uh, next week, I, I feel like there's so much that got started in this episode. Uh, it's almost like they were just cramming in a lot of interesting ideas, and now we only have one more to go to actually wrap it all up. I I, I sort of it was sort of like with Picard. I I don't always appreciate just the rush to the finish line when you've already yeah. had 12 episodes to to build out all of this stuff. Uh, but now we're on a path here. We have to get back to Saru, Adira, and Culber, and Sukal. We have to sort of figure out specifically... Do we have to get back to them, or are they going to die? Well, I think we have to, in the respect that we have to make some resolution about the burn, right? Sure, I, I mean, mean, wait, no, wait. Do, do you think, just from a production standpoint, <laughs> would you kill off... Three of your major characters at the well, end of the I, season. Why not? They killed Hugh before. But would you do that and just bring them all back too? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. This is why I'm not a writer. <laughs> um, there's some stuff that I can figure out. There's other stuff that I'm just like, I have no idea where they're going with this. And then when I see where they're going with it, I'm like, I would not have thought to do that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Chris, uh, any expectations or or any other ideas or thoughts you want to uh, explore here before we uh, move to our next caller? Uh, I mean, I, I'm with you there. I feel like there's going to be a lot next week. I honestly, I wasn't paying super attention to like the numbers. And my, my initial instinct was, oh, we're going to have Die Hard this week and then an episode back in the Citadel next week and then the finale. But then they were like, no. Just kidding. Nope. It's all got to no, get wrapped up in one. one more episode. I don't know. Maybe it'll be double length. I don't think it's double length. I think it's regular length. Uh, That's but, the other thing that I was thinking of is, you know, when they when they were on regular network television, you know, they had to fit it within an hour and then you had to take out the time for a commercial. So it was usually like 45 to 50 minutes. And like, that's not... They're not as strained. They're not as held to that anymore. I mean, obviously, I feel like they would want to be like, oh, let's keep it within an hour, an hour and a half or whatever. But, like, they're not – if they're over by a couple of minutes, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because you know, they don't have the networks being like, no, it has to fit. It has to cram it into this little space. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's it stands to reason that, that the last episode might be a little bit longer. I, If they can wrap it up in an hour, I'd be impressed. <laughs> by the way, There's a lot uh, the- going on. This just in, with all the things that need to be wrapped up, all the things that need to be in that uh, last episode, Dominic is letting us know Echeb will not be back. So, yes, <laughs> you are absolutely you are absolutely 100% correct. Uh, Echeb will not be back. And, what is, and, Paul, and Paul says too soon. <laughs> uh, what is wild it. to me about this episode, though, is the second to last episode that they introduced a new character. And I'm not mad about it because I love the actor who plays 
who plays the new character, but it was like, oh, that's another another thing that has to get wrapped up is this new character that you just introduced. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, there are so many elements that I wish I could take and just sort of transplant them to earlier in the season to let them sit there and let us digest them a bit more. Like, like Aurelio, I, I really wish that there had been more, particularly with the, this very interesting conversation they're having about science and ethics mm-hmm. that just, you know, if you lift those scenes out, you're talking about maybe four minutes total of dialogue. Right. I wish that that could have been stuff that got planted and discussed throughout in a little more organic way. And I don't think anybody would be upset with seeing more Kenneth Mitchell. No, of course, of course. He he is, uh, wow, well, what a treasure and how awesome to have him in these scenes as this character. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he's he's so good and he's so nice saw him at the last time we went to Star Trek Las Vegas the year before last he was talking to a fan at the table in the vendor's room and I never really like I see him I would see him every now and again or talk to him every now and again and so like this might be the fans first and only interaction with him so I was I never want to like interrupt that but he ended up politely excusing himself and he was like excuse me I have to hug this wonderful person talking about me (laughs) oh that's awesome he's a lovely guy awesome he is great uh, Chris, thank you so much for calling in, and uh, we will see you soon, okay? All right, yeah. All right. Bye-bye, friend, forever. Cheers, take care. <laughs> uh, by the way, in the chat, uh, saying hi to our favorite insomniac in the UK, it's Sam. Oh! Sam. So it uh, says good evening to us, and uh, RIP Ren. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is a shame. He was Speaking a good character. Yes, he, he was a great character, yeah. So uh, let us move on and let us say hi to Brian. Plain, simple Brian. Just plain, simple Brian. (laughs) How are you doing tonight, Brian? Good to see you. Okay. You know, I just had to chime in here at the the beginning of 2021 so I could wish everyone a happy Hugh year. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. Brian, Brian wins the show tonight. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing I love more than get onto an audio podcast and do a sight gag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so for all of those who are listening to the audio version, he actually did have a a, a cutout Cut, picture. Cutout, life size. It's a standee. Yeah. It's yeah. A stand-y. Oh, it was the full standee. Nice. Yeah. Jonathan Darko. Yeah, yeah. It's the full full nine yards. Oh my god. Oh my god. Wow. Wow. He keeps going and going <laughs> into the Jeffrey suit, and he's gone. All right. By the way, Brian, speaking of visuals that our, our uh, audio-only audience will not be able to see, I love that retro spaceship behind you. Uh, oh, that yeah. Is well, I'm hanging out cool. here on uh, – down, Hugh. You're in my way. Um, <laughs> I'm hanging out here on Mist Island. It's sunset. This is the spaceship. Oh, my God. That is too cool. That is what that is, isn't it? Yeah, it's because I uh, – you know, when I, I was on steam and got some uh, old games. Um, <laughs> when I was in fourth and fifth grade, we had a teacher who was obsessed with mist and the manhole. And she wrote original plays that we performed when I was in <laughs> elementary school. Did you get to play Gen or did you get to play uh, uh, Cirrus or did you get to play Agamar? Or? I, I played, I don't, I think they were original characters. I played, oh, okay. a, I played the sister, like the main, there were two main characters. It was a brother and a sister. Oh, okay. I you know. I, I never played the game, though. I never played the game. It was just the teacher that was assessed with it. Anyway, further down the series, there was a there was a sister. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> going into the weeds here. By by the way, Tate Tate points out that Hugh is pretty tall, like a giant Spock. Mm. <laughs> oh. universe, maybe. Yeah. Oh, and, and another thing here, uh, just speaking about you know how we lost. Uh, not not that not that Noah next week would be able to re- reveal anything about it at all. But David points out in the chat here. Ren was also an Andorian. Like good old Jeffrey Combs, they can probably bring back Noah in some other way. Hopefully not as a Vorta. So <laughs> you're not wrong, David. You are absolutely not wrong. Uh, well, he also says... who he's married to, I imagine they're going to find ways of bringing him back. That, that would be awesome. See, yeah. and, and, and again, just back to Kenneth Mitchell, I love, love, love that they found so many ways to work his talents into the show. And we finally got to see him as a human 
Uh, we finally got to see his episode. face. Yes. And, they, and, you know, they worked in the fact that he's, he, uh, for those, I, I think everybody probably knows, but mm-hmm. Ken is um, suffering from ALS. And so he's wheelchair bound and they built this character around him, which I thought was very sweet of them. And he's, yeah. he's doing he's doing a great job. Yeah. He has an awesome space wheelchair too. An I know it's a hover chair. He does. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Brian, uh, what is on your mind tonight about the episode? Thoughts, comments, oh, episode. observations? I, yeah. I'm just that's here for the sight gags, man. I don't know. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's totally fine. But uh, one or two things. It's like, well, well, um, the whole transporter situation, I mean, I think since everybody has these, I know everyone was like stripped of their comm badges when Osiris took over and mm-hmm. they got on board really easily. But then I realized, oh, well, the shields were having problems. But it's just that uh, it seems like Burnham could have found a little more subtle way of getting Stamets off the ship than to blow him out into space. Oh, but yeah. she needed she needed an excuse to put phaser on overload. That's right. Mm-hmm. Gotta have phaser on overload. That's true. But uh, that yeah. struck me as a little over the top. It's like, well, they maybe they had some extra effects budget this week or something they needed to burn through. <laughs> I don't know. You know what it reminded me of, though? Like, when he actually went out into space, remember the way that they would transport in Galaxy Quest? <laughs> Oh, like they would get covered in like that goo. Oh God, they did. Oh. That's right. Yeah. So like when oh, they when man. she's like, I'm gonna like get you off the ship, and then phaser on overload. And I was like, phaser on overload, phaser on overload. And then he gets <laughs> blasted out, and I was like, oh, that looks like Galaxy Quest. <laughs> I definitely got to put that one into the queue to watch again. It's been so long since I watched Galaxy. Quest. I, I was thinking about you know the the force field belts that they had in the animated series. Yeah, that's sort of like a bigger version of that, but yeah. It, yeah, it's kind of a bigger, you know, jury-rigged one that she put together on a moment's notice. <laughs> it would have been better if they had the little belts that were in the animated series since they seem to be doing some animated series callbacks now and again. Heck but, yes, uh, they do, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the, the uh, president of the Federation? Who's that again? Exactly. Yeah. And that we is- don't know. We don't know. And so I know them from... The president gets mentioned twice. And we don't know who the... It's like an unnamed... Like, I hope... So. Is it the cat? Is the what? cat the president of the Federation? Wait a minute. Come, really? Did you no. think? Well, I don't think it's Vance, but it could be Vance's sidekick just, you know, posing as a flunky who's really the president of the Federation. Oh, they're... they're Keeper okay. in the side, you know, yeah. It's okay. sort of like Padme in episode one, right? I mean, the I fact that that, that, there, yeah. that a president gets mentioned twice, it can't just be that, like, oh, we didn't have the budget to hire another actor. Like, I feel like we're going to meet who the president is in the last... And I want it to be, like, somebody super cool. I want to be Kurt Ward Smith again. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Bring I don't back. know. Earl's already on it, and he's already doing hashtag grudge for Prez. So I fully <laughs> expect to see that trend. I mean, because we also still Twitter. don't know if the cat is anything. Like, she's a queen. And like they say, mm-hmm. Book said in this episode, like, that the queen is, you know, she's safe. After they crash the ship, like, the queen is safe. And I'm like, what? she's literally the queen of something. We don't know who the president is. We don't know if the cat was there just for, to confuse us or be cute or like, is, is she anything at all? Well, I was always thinking that maybe she's like actually ISIS and book is Gary seven. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I oh, didn't think on that one, did you? No, we did no, not. No, see, and this is what I'm talking about. As people come up with things or the writers write things like that, I'm like, I never would have thought of that. I'd be a terrible writer. Well, they're into doing deep cuts on this show, so it could be something crazy like that. I mean, no, but David just threw out about that Gary Seven's planet and who they were and what that, they were. That's true. Yeah, D- David throws out another theory. He says there is no president. Vance is bluffing a common negotiation tactic to provide more time to think about it. I, I would actually, I would be okay with that too. True. But if we're going the whole Gary Seven route, <laughs> I think I would be okay with that as well. I don't know. It depends on how that plays out. Yeah. Sometimes a cat is just a cat, is what Paul is. Paul Wright is. So, <laughs> Paul. Yeah. Okay. You're probably yes. You. you can be right about I feel that like they've well. just like made too big of a deal of of the hashtag space cat for her to be just a cat. Well, and did you see that CBS released all these like glamour photos of a cat in this like silver cat space bed? Her, yeah, her space, space bed. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it's a space bed. It's in space. I think yeah. that's just some very savvy internet marketing because they know cats 
and internets go together like bread and butter. So I mean, uh, I thought of that too. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So, what, what do you think, Brian? Do you, do you uh, feel as Holly does that uh, there's some potential to just kill off all those characters who are on the uh, Nebula planet? Be <laughs> the star of the show? Um, <laughs> no, but they could leave them there in a bad situation. I, I'm I'm just still wondering if we're going to have a cliffhanger. We're going to have a a semi neat bow at the end of the season on the events. Will Lassara oh. be defeated? Will the Federation triumph? Or is things going to be in a worse situation at the end? And then we have to wait another year to find out. So, Well, and that's the thing. There are just so many loose ends and so many yeah. pieces here. Because, yeah, our crew is in danger, but you also have this sort of large-scale political intrigue going on with the Emerald Chain. And I thought that was another uh, topic that sort of got introduced and interesting comments, interesting thoughts about it, this whole idea of, okay, if we are going to have a fresh start, if we are going to collaborate and have this treaty, we actually have to do the work of that by making sure that we're punishing the people who need to be punished and elevating the people who are worthy of being elevated, not just this is an opportunity for you to have power. I thought that was an idea that has topical relevance <laughs> it is certainly you know political relevance you don't say I, yeah topical like relevance. like exactly like like this is a whole idea that could could have been another episode or two quite honestly to figure out how to navigate that as I, I i don't think it's um you know we might look at a situation like that and just go like oh this is clearly just specifically black and white and I, they, they were definitely leaning toward this idea of Vance being the, the supposedly, theoretically, honorable character that he is, has the integrity that he has. And I hope we stick with that. I do not want another bad role out of this. Um, you know, he, he's presenting this idea that says that regardless of how things may look to you uh, as politically expedient, we actually have to walk the walk when we do this. And that, I thought that was a very strong Star Trek message. I wish it hadn't been just a 20-second moment in an episode that has a million other things going on. That felt like a very TOS thing to me that could have been explored. At but I, I mean, I also think that the, the the diplomatic stuff, while very important, can also mm-hmm. get boring and it's all in the way that it's written. And I thought that even though moments like that were fairly short, I still think that the scenes between Vance and Osira was great because they did Mm -hmm. discuss the concept of judicial responsibility and that's pretty apt right now. Um, But I, I, I think the writers are always like very cognizant of, of the fact that them just sitting in a room hashing this stuff out can get boring. Yeah. Yeah. They had to write it in a way that was still interesting, but got to the point. Yeah, um, I, I, I do think you're right. I mean, that, that the, the production reality of the show, it's got to be fun. It's got to be exciting. It has to grab your attention. I, I just, I, I felt like there were so many moments watching this episode and watching it a few times. I just wanted to go, oh, wait, wait, go back, go back to that. <laughs> let, let, let's talk about that just a minute more before we move on. But it's, uh, I get it. it. It is TV for sure. Yeah, well, I was yeah. thinking that, you know, we've seen enough of Vance that I don't think he's really got a hidden agenda. He seems pretty straightforward. And so Neither do I, and I'm excited about it. I didn't want I, I, I don't that. see, I don't sense a bad role coming out of, <laughs> out of left field <laughs> at the last minute unless something really bizarre happens. But but um, yeah. on the other hand, Osira is very much the mustache twirling. I've done everything horribly to everyone yes. at every move. And so why would this be anything other than a ploy coming from her? It's, it's yeah. a little predictable, but that, that's where we are. So and, Her and, character and, development has been great, too, because when they introduced her, I was like, eh, I'm not really scared of her. I'm pretty scared of her now. <laughs> By the way, just a, a quick note here. Chris in the chat says, I thought the conversation between Vance and Osira was to squarely define capitalism as a villain. I, I don't disagree with you there yeah. either, Chris. I mean, I, I think that was a very strong statement made in the show. But again, it was just like a moment. And I was really curious, oh, but wait, how does this square in not only just the Star Trek world, but in the Star Trek world that is now a thousand years beyond what we're used to? So, uh, again, just an idea that I thought was ripe for even more discussion. Um, 
Brian, any other uh, final thoughts here before we say goodnight and uh, we, we do a little business and then move on to our next uh, call? Well, I was just thinking uh, at the very end, it's like how happy Tendy would be to have all these dot 23s to play with. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a fan. When I saw them, it's like, oh, exocomps. Oh, no. no. <laughs> dot 23s. So, I love exocomps, though. Exocomps are great. Awesome. Dot 23s even more by the end of next week. Who can say? Right. We may very well. All right, Brian. Pleasure to see you. And see you guys. Uh, we'll see you around. Take care. Thanks. Bye, Hugh. All right. Bye, Hugh. <laughs> and, and Earl says, President Peanut Hamper. You're not wrong, Earl. You're <laughs> not wrong. All right. So before we move to our next calls and uh, just hang tight, guys, we'll be with you here in a second. A quick word from our friends over at Eagle Moss, Hero Collector and the Star Trek Bookshop. Now, you all as Mission Log listeners, you definitely know about the teeny tiny starships that we love so much. And they come from every corner of the Star Trek universe made by Eagle Moss, Hero Collector. But you may not be as familiar with the wide and ever expanding range of officially authorized special edition books published by Eagle Moss, and available online at the Eagle Moss shop. Do you have Do you have a thing to show this week? Oh, I do. I do. Okay, great. Yes. Uh, <laughs> fans who pay a visit to the exclusive Star Trek bookshop at herocollector.com slash books will discover a wide range of definitive visual guides that go as deep into Star Trek history and canon as any books ever published, each extensively researched and developed by Eagle Moss Hero Collector under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. Books from the Star Trek Shipyard series present a timeline of almost every ship that has ever appeared in Star Trek TV shows and movies from the original series, forward to Discovery, and backwards to Enterprise. Some of these volumes are dedicated exclusively to Starfleet ships, while others focus on member other members of the Federation, including the Vulcans and Dorians, Tellarites, and Bajorans. Books in the Designing Starship series boldly go where few have gone before, deep behind the scenes into the conception, development, and details of ships from every era. There are even volumes from the comprehensive official Star Trek graphic novel collection. So uh, Holly asked me if I had a thing to show off here, and I, and I do. In the Voyager so book. Yeah, I had the Voyager book, and I love it. And uh, one of my favorite things is that this book goes into a great deal of tech, um, the, the hardware. It's kind of like the old Franz Joseph uh, technical manuals. And they actually, there's a chapter about the holographic emitter, which is fun. But I love this because this is sort of like 90s tech that is advanced, but also a little retro. So this is the holographic imaging device which I love it because it's basically, you, you can't see it where you are, but like at the top there, it's like, what does this thing do? Camera. It's yeah. just like, like that, that's the one thing there, camera. And uh, and it's this huge thing. It's like the size of a speaking spell, if you remember such a thing. <laughs> and they towed this around. So I love it that, yeah, it's super advanced. It takes incredibly detailed holographic images. And, and yet now in the 21st century, used to the idea of like your little phone doing so much and things that would have never been imagined then so yeah i love it sometimes the technology ages well sometimes it doesn't still fun so there is something for every star trek fan of every generation plus especially for our friends here on mission log live and mission log use our code mission 10 at checkout and receive 10 percent off all books and graphic novels to browse Shop at hero collect, sorry, herocollector.com slash books. And again, use our promo code mission10 at checkout for your 10% discount. By the way, I heard from a number of people who are mission log listeners who said that they uh, either ordered books as gifts for Christmas or got books as gifts for Christmas, and they were very happy with them. So, um, hey, you know, it's, it's the new year. You don't need an excuse. Just uh, Just get some books for yourself. Why not? Fun all around. All right, let's move to our next caller. We are welcoming all the way back from the lower decks, Alan. How are you tonight, Alan? Uh, oh, we here we are. Hey, there you are. <laughs> yes, yes. What the, is up? The New Year's Eve party continues in the lower decks. We're, we're having fun <laughs> down here. Good to see you guys. You yeah, too. likewise, likewise. And if if I can shill for just a moment. Um, I think thanks to you guys, Eagle Moss has become the uh, commercial du jour whenever I watch stuff on YouTube. And <laughs> they've got some good stuff, man. Uh, yeah. John, yeah. you'll probably appreciate, I saw 
a Goldfinger Aston Martin model. Oh, do I appreciate that? Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Have you seen that? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's amazing. My God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said, just think about starting a James Bond podcast solely to get that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. That's yeah, amazing. that thing is very cool. And it's funny, I guess the algorithms do that. You know, we'll, we'll drop the Eagle Moss link in there. And yeah. <laughs> I see it show up on my Facebook. And I, it's fine. It's it's good stuff, you know. It's so, it's, yeah. it's better than many of the alternatives. Yeah. So. And, and by the way, like, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, get off course here too much. But Holly, I imagine that when you were at CBS, did, did you see any of this stuff in prototype? Oh, yeah. All the that time. Was, yeah. That must have been incredibly cool. And it, yeah, did you get to be uh, that person who go like, oh, no, not that, this instead? Did, uh, did you have a little uh, I mean, yeah, influence? Yeah. Things, um, when it came to the Eagle Moss ships, like, that was JVC. Like, he was like, that's, like, he loves the little ships. So he'd get the die cast models. <laughs> right. And he'd be the ones that would be looking. And I would look at them and, you know, sometimes the, you know, just the shade would be off. Interestingly enough, like, a lot of the colors in Star Trek, like, literally, like, the colors of their uniforms and stuff like that, yeah. there's... PMS colors for all of them. PMS is, for those of you who don't know, right. it's Pantone matching system. It's not what you might think it is. <laughs> um, so there's actually color codes for every single shade of every single color you can think of. And I had a spreadsheet of them. And so when one of those ships would come in and it would sort of be off, I'd, I would be like, oh, I think it's actually closer to this PMS color. And then we'd send that color and they would get that paint and redo it and send it back to us. Uh, huh. So that's the that's the process behind that. Um yeah, but JVC was obsessed with the ships. He had piles of them in his, in his office. Uh, yeah. Rightfully so. Uh, so, Alan, what did you uh, think about the show this week? And uh, oh, what are your thoughts? I, I loved it. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, I certainly picked up on many of the, the same references, especially the diehard references that you had. Uh, there was one musical reference that I don't know if they intended to, uh, to to cue in on, but I I heard it every single time, and that was regulators mount up. <laughs> oh, I did uh, not pick up on that at all. Yeah, no. just just Warren G and Nate Dog running through my head the entire episode <laughs> to the point where I tried to come up with like a parody. And I, I have a little bit of it. I don't want to sing a lot of it because, A, I'm not that good. B, you already did the recap and it was fabulous. And C, I know there's other people, but just, you know. You know oh, no, we're, we're, we're here for you. We're here right. for you. Yeah, this is your okay. moment. Yeah. Just hit the backside of Discovery on a mission trying to save Vincent Tilly. Seen a ship full of chain, ain't no need to tweak. All our riots know what's up with the UFP. <laughs> Yes, yes, a mission log exclusive. There you go. That was awesome. <laughs> there was, ah. there, there's more, but uh, again, <laughs> I, I'm not confident enough to do the rest of it. <laughs> uh, we expect to see a full music video by next week. Oh no! Okay? <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff. Um, I, I like that we're uh, getting a little bit more of a personality for the ship. I like a I like a sassy spaceship. Uh, reminds me of uh, a sci-fi show called Killjoys and uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So I like a ship with a personality. That's definitely that thing. Agree there. Uh, it's got good taste in movies too. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I wonder, like, uh, you know, the sphere data idea, again, I think it's another thing that's a very interesting idea that hasn't really fully been explored. I mean, th this truly, the end of uh, the episode that we're on now, in every sense, this is deus ex machina. This is you know, the machine coming in to save the day. We don't know how exactly, we don't know exactly uh, uh, under what sort of construct, but but that is where we are. The sphere data idea that this, you know, multiple millennia old being that absorbed information. I, again, it's such a great concept. It's a very TOS kind of concept. I don't want us to just sort of like be done with it. It, it, you know, it, like it's an interesting idea that it sort of coexists with the discovery computer. It's an interesting idea that it has some level of, if not sentience, like self-preservation, some level of personality that it could move itself. Um, 
but I don't want it to just be like, they're in the robots now, they help yeah. solve the problem, then we have to let it go be free in the universe along with the Enterprise D's baby. You know, yeah. uh, like, I, I think there's so much more to mine there, and it was such an intriguing idea that I hope we get more out of it than that. Yeah, a little bit more than the next Tweaky or, <laughs> or uh, you know, Eve from Wally or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the the robot that uh, was part of the Fantastic Four cartoon as well. Um, oh right, they couldn't have the Human Torch for reasons. I think was it Human Torture thing? I don't remember, but uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, that was that was uh, that's some cool stuff, and uh, you know like you were discussing earlier the the sort of interesting back and forth between Osira and Vance was was fun to watch and the idea of you know there there does have to be responsibility and and uh and you know repercussions for you know past behavior is kind of an interesting twist it's like what if Lex Luthor stole the invisible jet and crashed into the Hall of Justice and said, you know what, we're going to team up, Justice League, you, you and the Legion of Doom. Like, how is that going to shake out? Right. Well, I mean, there has, to be, there has to be a level of checks and balances, right? Like, yeah. If there's not, that would be mm-hmm. chaos. So. Very true. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, uh, as far as uh, the Apple situation, um, <laughs> yes, you know, I think you know this. This may change our opinions of replicated food, um, but I mean, the way that Does I does not think, no <laughs> no. If I could get poutine anytime I wanted it, even if it was uh, yeah. I, yeah, all the time. It's a good every point. Day. Well, it's a very good point. It's it's poutine. Um, Think of your fa- your most favorite food, and tell me that you would not use the replicator every day to eat it just because you know oh, yeah. it could be made of human waste or it is made of human waste. Like and yeah, and we we put a seed in the ground. We use <laughs> fertilizer, which right. in the past has been that thing. Yep, and you know the the plant uses that to. Uh, feed itself and grow, and then we get fruits and vegetables. So, you know, it's just the same process, only it's done through an organic uh, creature instead of, you know, the uh, probably more efficient and safer uh, replicator. Somebody in somebody in chat is like, "Oh, Holly said poutine, and that's not uh, even. I didn't even do that on purpose, you guys." <laughs> I caught that. I caught yeah, that. Yeah, that was out there, it. though. That is my now favorite it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> never going to be way again. I, this is yeah. one of those moments, though, like with the, the replicator, where I feel like it, it, it's almost like the more knowledge you have now, the better it is. You know, if somebody, if this is Admiral Vance saying, like, yeah, this apple is made of poo. He didn't use mm. that word, but yes, this apple's made of poo. And you just like, ooh, that's horrible. But no, with the explanation behind it, okay, we have to break things down to an atomic level. Here's what happens. And then this thing uh, moves these molecules around and recreates. And like, I'd, I'd be much better with that. If you give it a complicated sounding uh, background, yeah. then I'm much more on board than just saying, here, eat this poo apple. So, this is. Yeah. <laughs> One area where teching the tech is a good thing. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, uh, Alan, I I want to say thank you so much. And uh, we will talk to you again very soon. We're going to move to our uh, final caller of the week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can I leave you with two words? Oh, please. President Cronenberg. (laughs) Oh, 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 my God. Yes. Yes. I would not have thought of that either. I love that. Oh, now, see, look, Earl is saying President Badgie. And I, you know, look, I, I don't hate that idea either, but oh, President Cronenberg. I'm yeah. now I want a t shirt that says President Cronenberg. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. I love it. Take care. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Cheers. And uh, rounding up our conversation tonight, welcome back to the show, John Arminio. How are you doing tonight? From the Red Room. I, I am well. How are you? <laughs> very good. Very good. Welcome. What is I mean, on your mind tonight? a very 
very mature discussion about poo. Oh, and yes. you yeah, are, yeah. You yeah. are always a lot more mature than that. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for definitely, you know, you're going to end us on a high note here. Oh, sure. But deep, uh, thoughtful. I'm going to yeah. take a big bite of the poo apple. <laughs> uh, I mean... I, I I keep coming back to the um, to the Vance, you know, Osiris uh, conversation, and I I'm afraid that it says something about the rest of the episode, but about you know the comparative interest that I have in in what was going on. But I was because it was the one part of the episode that like kind of fooled me because when Vance was initially negotiated, I was like, what are you thinking? Like what? How could you even accept any terms that this war criminal would be offering? Mm-hmm. But at the when the negotiations were ending, when he says, "Well, okay, that's all well and good, but you're gonna have to go to jail," it's like, yeah. "Oh, he his whole thing was a ploy too." So he recognized that Osiris whole negotiating tactic was a ploy, and so he was just stalling for time. Because at the end of the negotiation, he was, he knew, at least in my interpretation of the scene, that his terms would be unacceptable to her. And he was just delaying uh, whatever move she was trying to make with discovering her possession. At least that was my interpretation of, of the back and forth. Between Were them. you surprised that, that Eli, the, uh, the lie detector, the fact that they named him Eli is genius. It's very clever. Yeah. Um, were you surprised that he only once said that she wasn't telling the truth. I was really surprised when he was like, that is the truth. And I was like, is it? Or are you malfunctioning? Yeah, I, I think because her her ambitions are so beyond being just like a criminal mastermind or a, a mafia boss that mm-hmm. she does want some real political power to, to be kind of a major player in galactic affairs that, yeah, she does want to move beyond being an employer of a slave labor force and, you know, slaughtering civilians, but she's not above that. So I think she was able to bend the truth and not lie in those negotiations. And that's kind of what makes her dangerous. Like her ambitions outstrip, you know, even her, even her extremely powerful position right now. So she's able to get away with not lying in that situation. Yeah. I, I, I kind of saw it a similar way where, as long as the conversation stayed on the topics that she was proposing, yeah. she she almost had like this plausible deniability about everything else where, where, okay, I'm not lying to you. I'm just leaving out the other aspects of what this actually yeah, means someone to in, me. Someone you in know? chat is saying that too, that, uh, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Rick said, I thought she might have figured out a way to cheat the lie detector, but then someone else is saying mm. that they thought that, she was she was able to tell the truth without revealing the whole thing yeah, yeah. which yeah, is she's... which is basically which is sort of like lying by omission but right. what is coming out of your mouth is the truth and that's all the lie detector is really trained to do is to figure that right. out and she also right. might be just so narcissistic that whatever she says she believes is the truth and see that that's another really interesting thing like uh, today um, in many, many places, a lie detector is not an admissible piece of evidence because it's it, it sort of borders on pseudoscience. Yeah, yeah, you're monitoring for reactions, you're monitoring for response, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is indicating a lie. It can indicate stress, it can indicate all these other aspects. We're just sort of interpreting it as a lie. Even in the 32nd century, even with advanced AI, is it really that foolproof? So I, I think the, the lie detection was less important, say, than just this idea of Vance. And this really speaks to the, the kind of moral center that Vance is coming from. It isn't about what we get out of it. It isn't about what you get out of it. It isn't about all these other things. It's about how do we express accountability for what's happening yeah. here? That, and that really is what that all comes down to. And that that speaks to, again, if you want to talk about what are the big topic, the big morals, meanings, messages of Star Trek, that's a scene that really encompassed all of that. So sure, there might be things that we benefit from, but who are we at the end of the day if we accept that? Yeah, and I think, you know, in that one scene, 
um, we're seeing the building blocks of the future of the Federation past the 32nd century. And if it could still function in a way commensurate with the ideals that, you know, we all grew up watching Star Trek as. And, you know, you know we're seeing that in, in Deep Space Nine. And I think Next Generation wrestles with that theme as well. Um, and so I'm glad that the show, I'm glad that, that Discovery is able to have that scene in there. But, you know, there's all this other stuff, you know, about the ethics of, of science that, you know, we, we addressed mm-hmm. earlier and the, all these very, very rich Star Trek topics that I wish Discovery talked about before the penultimate episode of of the season. And yeah. now it has a dozen or so story arcs to wrap up in one episode. And I, I'm afraid we won't address any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it doesn't climax. it feel like doesn't it feel like the same way that you would be watching like one of the episodes of TNG and mm-hmm. you didn't know that it was a part one or that it was going to be to be continued and so you're like looking at the clock and they're getting to the end and you're like, oh no, it's yeah. going to be a TV continue. <laughs> they're not even going to wrap this up. That's what it feels like. It's like there's so they only have one episode left and there's so many different things that they have to wrap up. Yeah. And, and I mean, it very well they could leave us on a cliffhanger like. Maybe season four is all about getting Saru and them off the planet. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it does that, make me uh, go ahead, John. Sorry. I, I'm afraid that a character like Rin is a victim of the number of plot lines because he's a character that has been through so much and sacrificed so much, has been tortured to the point where he's physically, uh, visibly scarred by anyone who sees him. Yeah. And it seems kind of unfair that he's unceremoniously shot in the head. Yeah. I was um, uh, the first thing that yeah. I thought of when when she shot him was like we don't even like everybody when when they introduced him like his his antennas are cut off and people were like, "Oh, when are they going to grow back?" We, you know, we're excited to see them grow back and then I was like, "We don't even get to see them grow back." Yeah. 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 It's very unceremonious the way that he was taken out. That's yeah. a damn shame. But I feel like it, that's going to be some interesting motivation for Book in the last episode. Because mm. his mm. character's reaction to Ren being shot right in front of him was fantastic. Like, they're, they're, they were close. You know, having spent that yeah. much time on Hun Hao together, I, I, I feel terrible for Book. And I think that that's going to be an, an interesting story arc for him in the last episode. Yeah, the, this kind of goes back to that thing where it's like, okay, if this was the old school 26 episode uh, season, I feel like we really could, we could get a couple of buddy episodes of Book and Ren. We could get a little deeper dive into, okay, what what is the position here on capitalism and, and yeah. how is the Federation getting through what they're getting through with either ignoring these places that they kind of have to ignore um, but still somehow making deals to have the resources that they do have. Uh, yeah, all these great ideas there. And then, uh, and Chris says here in the chat, I'll just leave us with this. He says, I predict we will not get a satisfactory explanation on the burn. Uh, why didn't the Dilithium planet burn or, or the song and more? And yeah, I, I feel like I don't want any of that stuff to get short shrift. And just feel like, uh, well, we we, we got to throw enough of that in the final episode. So here, here's how it happened, and then we're done. Um, because again, they're presenting interesting ideas. If only you know, if we knew people on the inside. Hmm. <laughs> this is sort of always my question. It's like you start out a season early because they're scripting and shooting the entire thing, and. I wonder at what point does somebody come along and say, oh, but you know what? We could actually work in a message about this here. By the time that comes along, does it just feel like it's too late? So, well, better to get in that 60 seconds of dialogue than nothing at all. Because right. I feel like the emphasis is always on what is the plot? What are the mechanics of the plot to get the characters from point A to point B rather than what are we trying to say along the way? Not that they're ignoring it entirely, but then, John, you and I, and and I feel like some other people at least feel like, Holly, I don't want to speak for you, um, that it, it, it feels like it's too little too late. Or, or not even too little, but just like, I want more, right, you know? Would you prefer them to have like a 30-second uh, conversation about what you want to be resolved? Or would you prefer them like 
not talk about it at all? Uh, that's, I, I would almost rather they not talk about it at all because then, then we could take this and go, ooh, wait, in season four, what if we spread out this idea over time? All right, well, we'll see how and, many things they wrap yeah. up. We will. We will. There we go. And I guess and I we'll, think, uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, Real quick, I think that, that may be, or this might be one of the benefits of sort of anthology storytelling is that, okay, we have 45 minutes to tell the story about AI or about ethics and science or what have you. But in a serialized format, it's kind of like, oh, well, we have 13 episodes. So we have, we have plenty of time. And then right. Right. we see right. that right. might not be the case. Yeah, I, I felt, again, you know, ethics and science, I feel like that scene between Aurelio and Stamets was so primed yeah. to have a really complex conversation about scientific ethics but and, and the most unrealistic part of that to me was Stamets saying, you know, Aurelio introduces it by saying, we did this great thing on this planet. Stamets saying, well, no, you didn't because you killed a bunch of people. And Aurelio just sort of getting that look on his face like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it was like, no, wait, no, in no sense, in no place, in no world would this incredibly ambitious scientific project just sort of be completely uh, out of the realm of knowledge or out of the realm of oversight where this would be a surprise or there wouldn't be some pushback yeah. to that kind of assertion. So that is exactly the kind of plot thread I would have liked to have seen. Yeah, spend a ton of time on it, but let's kind of build to that maybe next yeah. time. Yeah. Does it take, doesn't take away from the importance of the conversation. Does it take away from how good the characters are? Um I just wish, like, if we were going to take on a topic that is that important and that complex, let's maybe give it what it's due. Yeah, right. agreed. Agree. John, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank Look you. forward to doing this again. And I uh, apologize to everybody for uh, for us running late. Sam, get some sleep. <laughs> so, um, Holly, thank you. And Earl, thank you. We'll see you all next week. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by the Insouciant Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest in the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.